Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast for an emergency post-Game 2 NBA Finals game. Matt, and I'm joined with Matt Chamberlain. Matt, how are you doing? I'm hype. Man, I, it's like 10.30 at night and like I, I might have to rewatch that Finals game again. <laughs> I'm just hitting my stride. Yeah, like I had two cups of coffee this morning because I knew today would hold be on, a- Hold on, Coffee's trash. Coffee is trash, but you know, you need caffeine to get through the day sometimes. Sometimes. And it was free, so I mean, I can't, there you go. I can't really complain. Um, we're just going to get right into talking about this finals game, too. Um, this is going to be titled episode 31, but it's not going to be a full, our full hour podcast. Um, remember, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, I don't know. It might end up because we, we, I mean, we've been talking for like five minutes now off air, and now we're recording. Um, Remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod. Uh, we have some great content coming up. Matt's been diving into some draft stuff. He's going to be talking about, I'm sure, on Twitter, taking some the, the hot big takes. board is getting big. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited. I've seen you keep just editing your big board, and I'm excited for you, for us to do a podcast about that very soon. Um, and remember to find us and rate us on iTunes. I've been asking for that for like I don't know 31 episodes now, and we have like five ratings. I had no idea. There you go. It's probably like all family, but whatever. I'll take it. Um, Remember to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Google Play, or Stitcher. Uh, And like I said, give us a rating or review. We would greatly appreciate that. Matt, let's just dive right into it. What, what, I mean, what were your big overhead takeaways from this game? Toronto done goofed. Man, that, that is the statement. Of, <laughs> I, like, you, you get, if I told you Steph went, uh, six of 17, three of 10 from three, um, and he only scored 23 points, you'd have to feel it felt r- like he scored 35. Just the way, like, Toronto was guarding him and the impact, like, and the weight he carried every time he just, like, took a step. You would have, like, I would have guessed he was, like, going Steph ridiculously hot. But he wasn't. Like, the Warriors only scored 109 points. They won 109 to 104. And, like, they barely scored the last half of that fourth quarter. Took that Iggy three. Like, no one could score. And Toronto just, like, laid an egg right there at the end. Yeah, I was really impressed with the way the Warriors, I mean, I tweeted about this. Uh, shout out to our Twitter uh, right at halftime. I said, like, man, the Raptors are kind of playing with a dangerous game. They're giving Steph and Clay good looks. And, like, the third quarter is normally when this version of the mm-hmm. Warriors kind of blooms. And that was true. They came out and on 18 0 run. They did. Well, I just, like, had it on my phone as, like, all right. And I had a little note 4 0 run. 8-0 run, and then it turned it into a 10-0 run, and then it was a 14-0 run, and I was like, how long is this going to keep going? Got to 18, and I was like, for the love of God, Toronto, hit a <laughs> shot. And finally, Fred Van Fleet, who's been like their savior this uh, finals so far, because Kyle Lowry's been trash, Ooh. like comes in, and hit, that's not even a hot take, he's just booty right now. <laughs> Van Fleet finally hits a corner three, but like it's it's what we always talk about the Warriors like you can't just screw around with them like if you have a chance to like step on the like gas and really go at them you have to do it because that third quarter is brutal every single time. I mean you can ask any of their previous ask LeBron James 
how like how like when you have opportunity you have to take advantage one Kawhi, call him say hey how's la's weather right now <laughs> and then two ask him about that yeah uh, i mean like ask oklahoma city you're gonna ask kevin durant right across the way from you you don't even have to get on the phone to do it um yeah but you're absolutely right like you hit the nail on the head there they, they had so many opportunities, even early, to kind of put this game away and to jump ahead. And they just kept, like, letting the Warriors kind of just hang around, do their thing. And the Warriors played some really good basketball tonight. Like, they they, played, they had, uh, I mean, they were really good on the boards. They were kind of not good in game one on the boards. They were they, not. They were much better. Um, and a big part of that, I think, was Boogie Cousins um, starting for them tonight and having a really big game. Uh, his line was... Uh, he shot uh, he got 10 rebounds 6 assists and 11 points that doesn't seem a lot like a lot but that was the difference in game 1 like no. 9 points well 1 those rebounds so Toronto just kept getting so many second chance points I don't know what the final finish was but at one point it was like 20 nothing in second chance points but when Boogie Cousins was out there he was securing rebounds and so of his 10 rebounds 9 were on the defensive end like when he came in the game like Toronto had a much more difficult time getting those offensive rebounds and second chance points because that's how they were staying in the game in that first half is just like transition type work second chance point stuff like just awkward shots that just started to fall like those were what was keeping Toronto in the game in the first half and even then a little ahead but when Boogie was in there not only was he securing those defensive rebounds and like just letting then Steph and Clay run also like he felt like their best passer all night I know Draymond finished with nine assists, but DeMarcus Cousins felt like their best passer out of the high post. Even ran, like grabbed a couple boards and just ran with it and yeah. like, made good passes out of it. Now I'm not saying he played a perfect game, but like DeMarcus Cousins was good. And if DeMarcus Cousins is good, Steph has a lot of room to play better. Draymond Green was good. Clay could have played played better and played more. Honestly, yeah, he went You're out just asking for the Warriors to beat you. Yeah, he went out. Clay went out with that third quarter third quarter injury, right? Or was it yeah. fourth? Um, with a hamstring, he has said uh, he think he'll be fine to play. Um, but that's uh, I mean, who knows? Steve Kerr apparently in the presser uh, after this game has I'm sure we'll get clarification on this. Said he tore his hamstring. So yeah, he also said it was minor. So who knows? what yeah. like the status of clay will be yeah. going into game three so that was at the beginning of the fourth quarter i just i just looked um mm. but clay i guess said after the game like he he thinks he'll be able to play so and oh by the way there's this big guy coming back named kevin durant i don't know if you've heard of him he's won the crazy thing is the door is very much open for him to win another finals mvp to just step in and be like all right Here's three straight. Yeah. And if he does that just in classic Kevin Durant fashion, then it'd be, like, hard not to give it to him. But, man, I feel like Steph really wants it this year. Like, he is really all over the place. He's been good. I mean, he hasn't been, uh, uh, like, fantastic. He was off in this first quarter. He went back, I guess, to get some, like, hydration. Um, it was kind of rumored that he wasn't feeling well. Um, but in that second quarter, he really came alive and had, like, three or four straight possessions where he came down and just scored. Mm-hmm. And kind of stabilized the Warriors when it kind of looked like the game might be slipping in Toronto's favor. Yeah, it, he did. And 
I know we're all over the place with this, but I just want to focus on that second quarter because that's when, to me, like Toronto, like I know the third quarter run is what we're, we're going to get to and a lot of people are going to be uh, overemphasizing and, and for a good reason. That second quarter, whenever Toronto was really starting to take advantage of the second unit of the, of the Warriors, Boogie then started to just be like, you know what, give me the ball here. And not just to focus on just Marcus Cousins, but he just kind of bullied like Serge Ibaka, forced Serge into picking up three quick fouls. Then all of a sudden, Marcus All has to come back in the game, and like we know, Marcus All he's a big white guy, he's old, <laughs> like he can only play so many minutes. And when Golden State couldn't buy a bucket, like Curry missed, like you were saying, like two open threes on like one possession. Like he just couldn't buy anything. They just honestly just kept force feeding it to Demarcus, and that same type of impact is what you're talking about with Katie is like you know what the offense isn't working so like we just can't hit a bucket randomly because we're on the road and it's the finals just we're going to throw the ball to like this great player and he's just going to force the issue and he's really good at it whether it's Kevin and games like four and five if it gets to him playing in those games or in tonight like Boogie he forced Marcus Gasol to pick up his third foul with 735 left in the second quarter and then they're just living at the free throw line like I think they had like 19 free throws at the halftime. Like they were just living there, and that's like how it forced Toronto to like start playing some like lineups they didn't want to play in, start getting into a rhythm they didn't want to get into, and really just let Golden State control the like the dictate of the game, like the pace of the game, who was going to be playing, and what was going to be happening. Like Toronto made adjustments for sure, but like that second quarter, whenever. They just said, like, screw it. We're just going to throw the ball to Boogie. Yeah. And we're just going to let Steph right at the end. Like, he finally was able to then get some open looks because people had to, like, start paying attention to someone else. Like, that's what opened it up. And when Toronto couldn't take advantage of that, like, to me, that's as much as anything. Toronto should have been up 15 at halftime. Yeah. And they were up five. And then the run happened. It's that point to me whenever it's, like, that's the Steph on your throat moment. Obviously, like, there's still a lot of game left to be played. But going up into half by 10 or 15 is a way different feeling than going up by five. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, you made a great point there. Um, I, I was kind of somewhat critical, critical in our last podcast of the way Toronto was playing up and down and the pace they were playing. And at this point, like, the Warriors are kind of wanting to slow things down. Like, mm-hmm. and play in the half court. And Toronto's the team that's wanting to get out and run. And, like, with that, like... The Warriors did a great job of controlling the pace and, like you said, yeah. getting to the free throw line, slowing the game down. When they needed to get a bucket in that second quarter, you're absolutely right. You nailed it on the head. They slowed the game down, got got in that foul, uh, got Toronto in that foul trouble, and really like swung like the momentum of the game and the rhythm of the game because this game really didn't have any rhythm whatsoever. No, it didn't. It was all over the place, and that definitely favors a team like the Warriors who has been here five to five. Five yeah. consecutive years. Um, and, like, there, I don't know. It was just a really well-coached game by Steve Kerr, I felt like. Um, Dealing with injuries he had to deal with, like, Iggy kind of had his thing pop back up again whenever he took a hard screen from Mark Gasol yeah. after he, twi- well, like, he twisted his ankle. And got then hit, he hit. got pounded by Mark Gasol on a screen he never saw coming. Like, and then the clay hamstring thing that you've mentioned like it and then Kevon Looney even 
yeah. he, when he got bulldozed by Kawhi in the lane and he fell and then he had to leave the game for like the entire second half. And all of a sudden he Steve Kerr is like, "What well, who am I playing right now?" Who <laughs> Queen Cook? And, well, Queen Cook hitting shots. Shout I mean, out Queen Cook. Queen Cook was in the I mean, Sean Livingston, Queen Cook, Boogie Cousins were in the like the lineup there towards the end because there was no one else. Like, yeah. Who else are you playing? I mean, the game plan, though, from Steve Kerr, I think was pretty good. Essentially, it was make Ka- Kawhi's life just miserable. Hit him. Like, yeah. hit him every single time. And on some level, Kawhi did make him pay because, yeah, he went 8 for 20 from the field, but he went 16 for 16 from the free throw line. And on some level, that's by the end of the game, Kawhi was like, that's fine with me. He just took to the basket every single time because it didn't look like he had good lift on his jump shots. Like, he was leaving it short a lot of the time, which, considering the injuries he's had, the fatigue... And then just being hounded by Iguodala and Green and Clay and Sean Livingston for the entire game. Like, uh, yeah, it's exhausting. And yep. It probably is affecting you. I mean, he did a good job of making it work for him, ultimately finished with 34 points and 14 rebounds. But it was not an easy 34 by any means. Sometimes Kawhi makes it look easy. Yeah. It was not easy tonight. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean that's what you got to do with Kawhi. You got to make him. And the nice thing about make, sending Kawhi, like, yeah, he made sixteen of sixteen, but that's not getting Fred Van Fleet going. That's not getting Kyle Lowry going because he's not assisting that those yeah. passes, getting those passes out. Um, something else I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, Siakam didn't really have that good of a game. He had an amazing game one. Put it, put his hat in the ring yeah. for Finals MVP. Um, and he, not do that tonight. No, <laughs> uh, he did the opposite of that. Um, but he, we've talked about this. I don't know if we did it on air or off air. We kind of talked about the cross matchups for the series, mm-hmm. and we saw somewhat a lot of Siakam on Clay, which is kind of yeah. interesting. Like we've seen that the Warriors struggle with like length, especially when it comes to their perimeter shooting in the past, and like Clay kind of struggled but then he like almost had a clay game <laughs> what well, at the beginning when he scored 11 out of the first 13 yeah and he looked red hot and i was like oh my god here we go yeah but then he picked up a second foul and kerr pulled him understandably pulled him but well one credit to the raptors clay was getting hot and they're like we have to attack him on the defensive and like we cannot if we can't stop him on offense, we literally have to try and get him to commit fouls on the yeah. defensive end. And they did that. And it kind of actually ended up working out for Toronto because it stopped what was an incredible start by Clay because no one else could hit a shot. Right. But, like, you're right. Like, Clay didn't have a great game in, in the time he was on the floor. I mean, 10 for 17 from the field, 4 for 6 from 3. Like, it's good, but... The way he started the game, he finished with 25 points. Like, he was looking like he was about to put up 40. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he picked up a charge. Kyle Lowry, like, Mm -hmm. stepped in front, pulled a charge. Um, I I feel like there's been a million of those Kyle Lowry charges. And I don't feel like hardly any of them are actually charges. Because he's, like, always moving his upper body. He is. Like, 100% of the time. There was one, I think he actually got called for a a block. And honestly, I felt like it was his closest thing to an actual actual charge like that could have been called a charge but it it happened not to go his way that time but yeah i'm like how does he keep getting charge calls in his favor 
Like, how? Because I never feel like he's actually fully there or actually fully set or doesn't move when he gets hit. I mean, it's probably the little dude who's just getting bulldozed over by bigger dudes because, like, Kyle always... It looks worse than it is. And he sells it really well, too. He does. Really well. Like, some of those fouls on the... uh, He draws on Golden State, like... He has to sell some of those. Like, I think he got bumped by Draymond Green, like, on the flying. base. And just went flying. It was like, man, you... Oh, yeah. Like, you didn't have to fall over for that. No, but, I mean, on some level, when he's not hitting shots, like, <laughs> he went 4 for 11 tonight and finished with 13 points, like, and fouled out. And we'll talk about Kyle Lowry more here in a moment. He was bad. He had a bad Ooh. game. Like, I mean, yeah, we can talk about Pascal going 5 for 18. 12 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Like, yeah, I wish he could have... If he put up that stat line, but more efficiently, then I'm honestly fine with that stat line for Pascal Siakam. Yeah. Like, it's not the worst thing ever. Now, I just want it to be on 10 shots instead of 18 shots. Yeah. I mean, like, you got to think that, like, he went 4 of 17 in game 1. There's 14 like, for 17. 14 for 17. Yeah, excuse me. Um, but there's some happy medium there for Siakam. Yeah. Where it's not going to be... 14 of 17, and it's not going to be 5 of... Well, I don't know. We might get another 5 of 18, because that seems to be the trend. But it might be like a 9 for 18, or 9 for 17, whatever that looks like. Maybe even a 9 for 20, I don't know. Um, But you're right. It needs to be a little bit more efficient. He didn't hit a 3 this game, and it feels like in game 1, he didn't miss one. So Yeah, I know. I don't know. You can't just lose games to the Warriors like this at home, though. Like, yeah. overall, like, getting into Kyle Lowry, like, you got to show up for this game. Like, I know you're, like, you hit three of seven from three. Like, you, I don't know. You got to do something more than just flop around on the ground. Like, he was two of three from the line. Like, get to the hole more. Like, yeah. they were calling, handing out foul calls in this game. It felt like a college basketball game with how many fouls they were calling. Like, it just... Two big men on the block just fighting for position, like loosely fighting for position, and they're calling fouls on it. It didn't like, feel like a finals officiated game. It did not. Like it felt, it felt more like the refs were trying to send a tone with how many whistles they were giving out there. But like Kyle Lowry fouled out, and he, like I said, honestly, a couple of those charges he took didn't feel like they should have gone his way. Right. Like, to be honest, they were home cooking calls. They, he got he got some Toronto calls, but like. Focusing on that last one specifically, like he, I think he had taken a bad three, come back up and down the court. Team missed another shot. It's a long rebound. Boogie comes down with it, and Kyle Lowry knows he's got five fouls already. Like he knows that, and there's still like six or seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And what does he do? He tries to pick Boogie's pocket while it's still in his hands, and just slaps his arm. And the refs called a foul, and he's gone for the rest of the game. Now, honestly, Fred Van Fleet was playing better than Kyle Lowry, so like I'm sure on some level, Nurk Nurse is like, "Oh, cool, you made this easier for me to pull you." Yeah, but. Kyle Lowry, come on. Like, this is why you're paid $30 million. Yeah. It's not to sit on the bench and the final few minutes. Whenever Golden State couldn't buy a bucket and they were asking you to take the game away from them. And you weren't out there. You couldn't do it because you were an idiot out on the floor. Like, you didn't make smart basketball plays time after time after time. Yeah, you got a couple charge calls. You hit a couple nice threes. But Kyle Lowry had no positive impact on this game for the most part. Yeah. Um, going back, uh, yeah. I mean, like, Kyle Lowry was... 
all over the place in a bad way, like you were saying. He looked rushed. Yeah. Um, the crazy thing to me is like, so like Kyle Lowry goes four eleven, three of seven from three. Fred Van Fleet felt like he had a significantly better game. Seventeen shots and 17 points like yeah. it's not efficient but like the way he was do- he was hustling he got a big rebound in there at the end to give uh i think danny green a three mm-hmm. to get pull the game yeah. within like one or two um there in the last minute of that fourth quarter um just a big game from Fred Van Fleet. I wonder if you end up like flipping because he played 38 minutes. I wonder if you like start him over Danny Green to think about. And it. they've liked that two point guard lineup. They've with, gotten to that a lot, and it's for the most part worked. I know Fred Van Fleet's just been such a good defender on Steph Curry, and you saw it like when they went to that weird defense there at the end. Like they just like said Fred. You're taking Steph, just make his life miserable, and he did a good job um, of it. I I don't know if they'll do that just in case fouls start popping up again. Like they can't risk Fred Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry getting into foul trouble at the same time. Like Van Fleet's done a good job of staying out of foul trouble this series so far. He's a pretty smart defender, which can't always say that for Kyle Lowry like Kyle Lowry does bring I'm really critical of him <laughs> but he does bring some nice things to the table but it like that high intelligence of like I cannot foul right now I've got to stay on the floor for my team like Fred Van Fleet seems to have that more than Kyle Lowry does it's crazy because like I've, I don't know. It's like that experience at Wichita State was so invaluable for Fred mm-hmm. Van Fleet. And he's such a high IQ b- basketball player, like you were saying. Um, I want to talk about Marcus All and what you thought of him. He was two of seven. Booty. Only seven shots tonight. Garbage. <laughs> like, yeah, he was hesitant again, like not wanting to take open looks. And like, well, it's like to me. I would have been okay with that shooting performance if he would have had more than two assists. Yeah, that, that tells me either he was getting them looks and they just weren't making them, and I, I don't feel like that was the case, or you just weren't finding people. Like you just couldn't find that pass, and that's what I felt like. More like he he wasn't doing much besides just setting a screen, doing a soft pop, and then just handing it off to Kyle Lowry or Kawhi Leonard and just kind of getting out of the way. Like, that's not why you're out there, Marcus Hall. Like, yep. that does nothing. You might as well put Surge out there and get a <laughs> rim runner, honestly. Yep. Like, you're doing nothing out there. And he just kind of felt impactless. I don't know if that's a word. But, like... It is now. Sure. Um... Like he, he wasn't really controlling the rebounds like Boogie was doing that whenever he was out there. Like He wasn't creating second-chance opportunities. I'm not sure what Marc Gasol did in 31 minutes, to be honest, <laughs> besides foul to Marcus Cousins. And you watched the entire game. I did, like, intently. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think uh, you kind of alluded to it, but like Boogie Cousins really did neutralize in 28 minutes, neutralize Mark Gasol in 31 minutes. And like, that's a plus for the, a huge plus for the Warriors. Um, Draymond was really good tonight in 41 minutes. He was. So when Clay picked up that second foul in the first quarter and the game was still close right, right then. I mean, obviously you still have a lot of game to play at that point. 
but the moment Clay picked up that second foul, and it's Toronto like had that shot of like, okay, we're already like up five, let's let's go on a run right here. Draymond Green was the one who said no. Yeah. You're not doing it. It wasn't Steph. It wasn't Boogie at that point. It was Draymond. And he was running out there with second unit dudes. He was just saying, we're running literally as fast as we can. Yeah. And he controlled the pace. And so, yeah, he, he didn't get the triple-double this game. He missed it by an assist. But the 17, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists he did get felt a thousand times more impactful than the like 11 10 and 10 he got in game one absolutely i think that's something he's done so well in this playoffs is like after a make for whatever reason like the team like the arena is getting super excited like you can feel the energy starting to build all of a sudden draymond drink green is on the other end of the floor like mm-hmm. putting in a layup it's like yep. where's the defense it's like everyone's just like kind of got like that hop in their step as they're kind of like trotting back like he yeah here we go and then draymond's like no you don't Like, I think Draymond Green loves just squashing the dreams of people. Yeah. Like, he he just lives for that. And that's a great characteristic to have if there's not too many of those people. Because I think Michael Jordan had the quote, there can only be one asshole per team. (laughs) And Draymond's got that spot on Golden State, like, locked down for life. And... Like, he just proved it time after time, I'm going to make Kawhi's life awful. I'm going to make Pascal's life awful. We're going to run when I get to control the pace. And just, like, essentially just put this huge burden on Toronto of, like, you shouldn't have to account for that almost. Like, sprinting back in transition after you make a bucket. But he's going to do it anyway because he knows it's going to piss Nick Nurse off. And there's (laughs) nothing he can do about it besides just, like, tell people to turn around. And Fred Van Fleet's the only one turning around and Right. Like, oh, I should do something about this. <laughs> it's too late. He's already at the bucket. Yeah. Fred Van Fleet's only six feet tall. Um, and maybe. Another, uh, yeah, maybe. That's program height. Um, the crazy thing to me is, like, he doesn't even create, like, he doesn't just create for himself. Like, he gets Steph, like, some really good looks. He gets Clay mm-hmm. really good looks off those breaks. And it's like, those are points that matter in a finals. Yeah. Like, you can't – like, that's that's what I'm talking about. Like, Toronto, you can't screw around with this. Yeah. Like, you're going back to Oracle tied 1-1, and it feels like you're almost down 2-0 after game two. Yeah. And, like, that's a huge deal playing the Warriors. We're talking about the Warriors, Matt. Yeah. And th- they're good. They're really good. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. And I, one last point on Draymond Green I want to talk to you about because – Honestly, like I'm not we mentioned finals MVP a second ago. Is Draymond Green like the front runner for the Warriors as finals MVP right now? If if he can continue to make Kawhi's life just miserable, even if Kawhi's getting 30, if he's having to work tr- like on outrageously hard for that 30, then he might be. If he keeps putting up like near triple double this would have been his fourth straight this postseason if he would have got that one more assist like if he just keeps doing that and averaging almost or getting to almost 20 points a game and kd isn't this savior who helps them run off like three straight from here uh you he might have as good a case as anyone and like we've very much this year had our fair share of draymond criticism and he 
like has admitted like it was deserved like yeah. that criticism like he was out of shape he said he's lost like 25 pounds in the last two months like he he knew he looks he, i mean he looks awesome now yeah it, it's a different player than Absolutely. we were watching back in december we're watching even back in like march really yeah and so like i could see him being like that finals mvp if he's consistently putting up 16 to 20 points a game 10 rebounds 10 assists and it's an impactful defensive performance i guess why not unless one of his teammates takes it from him yeah i mean like he's kind of my dark horse if i had a finals mvp vote i might be voting for draymond which is crazy he's like public enemy number one for my oklahoma city thunder Mm -hmm. um but he he's just been so good in these playoffs and tonight that continued um just kind of the balancing force uh matt what else do you want to touch on talk about from here so my my kind of one i think my one last thought i don't know i might have no one pop up off of this but whenever iggy took that last three did you think it was going in Oh man! Whenever he hesitated for a moment, and was like, "Should it, I shoot this?" It was above the break, was. so that that makes me nervous. Oh, that one he hit against Houston was a corner, mm-hmm. and I as soon as that ball left his hand, I was like, "Oh, this series is over. See you later, yeah. Houston." This one, I was like, "Ooh, I don't know about that." And went in. I was like, "Oh, this game's over." Yeah. It, like he only had. It felt like. <clears throat> It was one of those classic Andre Iguodala games where he, like, doesn't feel like stat line-wise he doesn't do much. But, like, watching the game, you're like, oh, he, Mm -hmm. like, boxed out people. He played incredible defense. And then, given the opportunity, he hit a huge shot again. Yeah. I... I mean, don't get me wrong, it didn't go through the rim pretty. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. like a clay shot that just dropped straight down. Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of bounced around in there a little bit, rattled it. It was on the long side of the rim, but, which makes you nervous. But it went in, um, so props to him on that. But you're right, like, his impact isn't necessarily in stats. But when you leave a guy wide open like that, like, he's an NBA player. Like, yeah. He's, he's a finals MVP, like... You gotta run out on some level. Out of you gotta walk out there. I don't know, do skip, <laughs> hop out there, do something. But like, you gotta at least make him think like, oh crap, Siakam's coming right now. Uh, sure, I'll shoot it. And like, that's whenever he misses. Yeah. It, but when if you're just gonna leave him like that, he has a moment to collect himself. And even um, on the broadcast, like Jeff Van Gundy was like, he should have held onto it a couple more seconds and then shot it. It's <laughs> okay, that may be a bit excessive, but like, I I assumed it was going in whenever no one ran out on him. Yeah, Just, that's what NBA players do. This is why you get paid like fifteen million dollars a year, Andre Iguodala. I mean, even if this. he misses it, you're still up two. There's like <clears throat> still up two. And only five seconds left. And most of the Warriors are back. Yeah. So, like, it's not an easy bucket either. I think Toronto is out of timeouts by that point, too. <clears throat> so, it's like they would have just had a grab and go. And don't tell me Draymond wouldn't have made someone's life just awful if Kawhi would have tried to go full full court on that. Or if someone besides Kawhi got that rebound if, like... No one else is shooting that ball within five well, seconds. Well, my, my idea is, like, what if someone else grabs that rebound, like... If they're smart, like, Steph would have just fouled them right away. Like, yeah. it'd just say, like, nope. Pascal Siakam, go hit two free throws yeah. right now. I dare you. 
and he would have choked. One of my missed. favorite lines in any thirty for thirty is Mark Jackson when he's talking about uh, New York Knicks versus or Reggie Reggie Miller versus the New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. I think it's like titled Winning Time, and he said. Uh, I saw the look on his face, and he wanted no part of those free throws. Yeah. Those dudes don't want any part of those free throws. Yeah, go ahead. Foul Pascal Siakam. Foul Mark Gasol. He's, he's, yeah. he's going to blink in that moment. So, I mean, th- this game still might have turned out in favor of the Warriors, even if Iggy missed. But the moment no one – like, it, I – I could tell, like, everyone made the conscious decision. We're not even running out there. It's like, he's making it. Yeah. That's it. And this gets back to the point you've been making on this entire podcast. Toronto, this is a golden state. (laughs) Like, this isn't Milwaukee. This is not Tony Snell over there. This is not the Milwaukee Bucks trying to figure this out on their first run. Like, this team knows what they're doing. And you you can't do that. You got to at least make him think about it a little more than that. Or react a little bit more than that. And you didn't. That's what these guys are going to do. This is what Iguodala and Boogie and Clay and Steph and Draymond are going to do to you. Now, yeah, maybe you don't expect Quinn Cook to go out and play 20 minutes and give a good 20 minutes. Or you don't expect for Alfonso McKinney to come in and give 10 really solid good defensive minutes. But those things happen in the finals. You Same way you had Pascal go nuts in game one, this kind of stuff happens in game two. You can't just hope that you end up on the right side of history in games three and four on the road now. Yeah, I mean, that's a tall task. It's very easy. I mean, the, the Raptors have done it all postseason, but again, like we've been saying, this is a different animal. You can't expect to split road games with the Warriors. They've been phenomenal at Oracle um, since losing two games in round one to the Clippers in Oracle. I don't know if that's going to happen again, especially with KD coming back, even if he's not 100%. If whatever percentage bookie is, if KD is that same percentage, yeah, it's just it's just not going to happen to balance your way. Like you got to out execute them. And it's really hard to do, but if you're in the NBA finals, that means you've got a shot at it. And outside of a couple guys, it didn't look like Toronto really came to play tonight and really tried out execute the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Absolutely. Um I I made a prediction of five this and five. I'm more and more uneasy about that as the season, we get into more I games. I mean, it's a close game. Still. It's a close game. Somehow it, still a close game. It feels like this is going to be a seven-game series. See, I had I had Golden State in six because I had... My original thought was that Toronto would win games um, two and five. Mm. And then... So it'd be game one Warriors, Toronto two, which so a one one split, it flipped the order in all actual um reality, but okay. And then Golden State would win the two at home. Toronto would get game five back on their home floor and Golden State would close it out at Oracle. That was my idea. And then I don't know, like it's so close that it's hard to tell if it's a good idea still. Yeah. But like as long as these games are close, like that's honestly more what I care about. Screw it if I don't get the six right. I want five-point games, though. Yeah. And I, I want that more than anything. And if Golden State happens to do it in either year five or 
or my six prediction cool but like these are the type of games i want to be watching every night absolutely especially to end the season before we go until like october without nba basketball um which is a nightmare but um matt do you want to talk about anything else before we wrap this podcast up i don't think so i mean there's other little odds and ends points like andrew bogut was good which is weird Um, (laughs) andrew bogut has been playing well for the warriors since like 2013 even though he's not on their team like 80 percent of the season (laughs) like that's weird like norm powell was good but like nothing i guess that that's too much else that doesn't hit on the bigger points we've already made which is you've got to play well against gold state don't and, screw around. And Toronto screwed around. And maybe this is their learning experience. Hopefully their learning experience is one game and not a series to figure that out. If they can take a lesson from one game and start applying it to games three and four, they'll keep pushing this series to six or seven games. But if it's going to take all series for them to learn, like you don't screw around with Golden State, then this is going to be a five-game series. <laughs> it's going to be pretty quick. It's going to be a pretty, pretty quick series. Um, as long as they, I mean, they played well on defense at times. In that last possession, they were doubling Curry, though. They just like left it all wide open, essentially. They didn't even think about guarding him, and you kind of touched on that already. But I don't know. It's going to be an interesting series. Uh like I said, I feel like this is a seven-game series at this point, but <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see if Toronto would be able to pull out any games in, Gold, in Golden State because now they have to travel. They've been home for a long yeah. time. They have to travel, and who knows the status of Kawhi and if, if he's fully healthy and what that looks like and what rehab. Can he get well by Tuesday at this point? It's a lot easier to rehab when you're in your own bed at home. Yeah, versus, absolutely. Even in your own training facility. Versus on the road in a hotel. Oh, man. NBA Finals. This is, been, this is a lot of fun, Matt. Hype stuff. Hype stuff. <clears throat> Remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch Pod, uh, and rate and review us um, on your platform or choice for podcasts. We really appreciate it. We'll be back uh, sometime next week. I don't know when, but we'll be back sometime next week. We'll definitely be talking about more finals for sure. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, and like I said, we'll see you back next week.